Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. Your host, David Gill here. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week as always. I certainly am. And Today, we are talking about the audio boom. Uh, we're talking about Alexa. We're talking about Google Assistant Google slash Google Home, the new Siri, Siri 2.0, whatever you want to call it, and the rise of audio content pr- predominantly being podcasts. Uh, we're going to talk about that, kind of where we are now and where we're heading and Obviously, you know, as always, I kind of look at the overall market and business strategy that a lot of these companies are taking, but also in this case, very much how it affects you if you have your own business or you're, you know, a higher up at some some other company. Uh, this is very important, and I wanted to, you know, have a podcast about it, chat about it a little bit. So anyways, that's what today's episode is all about. But before we get into that, I wanted to say, cool announcement, big announcement. Um, we are starting to do interviews on this podcast. Uh, the first one will be up on Thursday. It will be Marissa's. She interviewed a surgeon. Obviously, her podcast um, is more about... Uh, health. So obviously she interviewed a surgeon, which is really cool. Uh, I will start interviewing people soon here in the future too. More people in tech or business, etc. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about doing some more interviews because obviously, you know, I, I like doing the monologues and uh, both Marissa and I enjoy doing the monologues. But you know, it's cool to have other people come on and give their point of view and not just, you know, have ourselves talking uh, all day long by ourselves, essentially. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. Uh, if you know anyone who you think, uh, should come on the podcast and you think I should have a chat with, you can send me an email, uh, david at mgragency.com. You can just send me an email there uh, and I will certainly take a look. Or if you yourself want to come on, uh, you know, send me an email and tell you, tell me what you do and maybe I will consider it. So anyways, definitely listen to Marissa's one that comes on Thursday with the surgeon. If you're into health, etc. I will have my own podcast or interviews coming soon as well. Let's get into the audio boom. You ain't got no money. I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. So let's talk about the market shifts that are happening right now and why the audio boom is becoming so predominant, I guess you could say. Uh, Why is this happening now? Well, there's a few reasons. Uh, What is the advantage of audio content and voice interaction over, you know, as far as the voice interaction goes over using the screen? Or what's the benefit of audio content over, say, video content or, you know, reading content? I think most people would know it's the benefit of time. And I've talked about this a lot before. It's taking out the friction of, okay, if you want to watch a video, you have to be fully engaged, both your eyes and your ears, not just your ears. Most people, just like myself, you know, I listen to podcasts a lot. If, you know, I'm going for a run or if I'm just doing some work that's light, that doesn't require like 100% attention, you know, it's not something that requires complete and utter focus. 
I'll throw on a podcast and uh, listen to that while I work. A lot of people do this. So there's lots of, or if I'm like cooking, making food, whatever, I'll listen to a podcast then too. You know, if I'm doing something else that I can't be, you know, watching something or reading something, but I still want to consume some content, then you listen to a podcast. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, if you're listening to a podcast, you very much understand that as well. So that's the benefit of audio content. Now, why is it such a big deal right now that audio content is taking off? And to me, the major reason is because video, well, there's kind of two major reasons. One, video content takes a lot more time uh, and effort and more skill, quite frankly. You know, you have to know you know, you have to be good on camera, you have to be able to memorize a lot of lines, or at least if you're not someone who wants to memorize lines, you have to be able to talk off the top of your head for a long time straight into the camera. Uh, you know, you have to have some sort of good lighting, some good setup, or maybe a good setting, a decent camera, a uh, decent microphone on top of the camera, you know, a lot of things. And you have to be good at editing the video, you have to probably add a lot of graphics on top of the video. You know, all these things take a lot of time. They, you know, you when you actually watch your typical YouTube video or whatever, notice all the, of like a bigger YouTuber, notice all the little things they do that you might not notice that are a little subtle. You know, those take a lot of time and effort and money, quite frankly, too, if you're paying someone else to edit the videos, if you're a business. So it takes a lot to make video content, much more than audio content. Audio content is relatively simple. Uh, you still have to have a good topic and a good, uh, you can either have a script or an outline. You know, I, I used to do full scripted podcasts when I started because I, you know, didn't really know what I was doing and I wasn't very good at kind of talking straight. But uh, over time, you know, nowadays I just kind of use an outline. Like right now, I just have kind of a, a bulleted list of topics to kind of cover, but it's not like I'm just reading a script or anything. Uh, and so depending on how confident you are, you can do it kind of one of those two ways, but you don't have to be looking at the camera. So it's not like I have to memorize my lines or memorize all these bullet points for the uh, for the podcast, you know, or if you don't want to memorize for video, you can get a teleprompter, but obviously those are not cheap either. Again, more money. So that's why podcasts are a little easier to do. All you really need is a decent microphone, which don't cost too much these days. You can get a good microphone for 50 to a hundred bucks, not a whole lot of money. You don't need some fancy camera. You don't need any of that stuff. And the editing is much easier too. You know, I don't have to have add any special graphics or anything because obviously there's no video I just kind of chop up the audio if there's pauses or you know sometimes I'll cough or something and I'll have to cut that out whatever but just not a whole lot of editing that goes into a podcast either so it's, it's much much easier to create so that's one thing but the other major thing is that video content is becoming more and more and more and more competitive by the day. And it before it seemed like online video content was competitive in between the uh, smaller creators. So yeah, if you, you know, want to be on YouTube, there's a ton of competition from other YouTubers, but you can compete. It's a relatively even playing field. There's not too many people who have a huge advantage, and especially if you're a business going against independence. Well, you probably have a little more money and packing to push content and higher quality and spend a little more on better equipment, etc. 
Nowadays, that's not the case because you're not competing against some YouTuber in his bedroom. You're competing against Netflix and HBO and pretty soon Disney's new streaming platform and live sporting events. That's what people watch when they have the time these days, right? So when you have the time to sit down and be fully engaged with video content you're going to want to watch Netflix or HBO or some sport or whatever, right? You're not going to be – it's it's less likely that you're going to be watching some random person's YouTube video or some random company's YouTube video. You might, but it's not very likely is my point. And most people look forward to the time in their day where they can sit down and fully engage with content. Uh, unlike during the day, most people during the day, you know, you're working, you're at school, whatever. You can't, you don't have time to be watching Netflix at work. Obviously, you could get in trouble uh, depending on your workplace, but not just that. You know, most people say, I have to get work done. I can't be watching Netflix or whatever right now. That's why, uh, you know, all the major sporting events are at night, and most people go and look forward to watching Netflix and HBO and whatever at night. That's who you're competing with. And so that's why video content is so difficult to get into because people only have such a limited amount of time to be full to for fully engaging content and you're competing with the highest levels of quality. I mean these obviously, you know, I've talked about it before. HBO, Netflix, all these companies, they're spending billions on their content. I don't know about you. I don't have billions of dollars to spend on my content. So I can't really compete with them on that front. But where you can compete with them is on the audio front. Because there really is no major audio uh, media companies out there. I mean, there's a few podcasting networks or whatever. And they're popping up. But no, no, none of them are are anywhere near the scale of a Netflix or HBO or anything like that. There's there's no one not even close. So that's that's really why. It's it's the consumer demand shift. It's people have more time to listen to podcasts during the day and that time for content wasn't really being fulfilled and is now starting to be fulfilled by many people who are creating podcasts. But the time where uh, they did have the, – the traditional time to consume content has become more and more and more saturated as far as the nighttime consumption. But the daytime consumption was very underserved, and now it is becoming served with the rise of audio content. I hope that makes sense. So anyways, that's kind of the consumer demand shift. Let's talk about some of the market players and that's on the audio content side now on the on the voice application side it's a very similar thing it's it's about not having to actually use a screen if the smart assistants and smart speakers can get good enough you won't have to pull out your phone and browse and scroll and do all this you can just say you know a few words and whatever you're trying to do what you what you what would take you 30 seconds on a phone will take you three seconds with a voice assistant that's kind of the idea there so same thing just saving time it's it's all about time so the first uh market player i'm going to talk about is actually apple i'm going to get into amazon and google they're the biggest but i want to talk about apple first uh because they're really getting into this they really understand where the market is heading as far as needing to create a voice 
platform for their products if they want to continue to be able to compete. You know, Siri was always on the back burner for Apple for years. They came out with it with the original iPhone or some one some of the first few iPhones, and I remember first using Siri myself, and it was really cool years ago. Uh, but since then, many other companies have come in, like Amazon and Google, and made much, much better voice assistants than Siri. Siri has always been, kind of for the last few years, the redheaded stepchild. You know, they're not nearly as good as the other two, and Apple doesn't really pay it a whole lot of attention. But now they are giving Siri a lot of attention. Again, they're putting them putting Siri back on the forefront. They expanded the team. They hired a lot of top uh, tech talent from the Valley and brought them in. So obviously, if they're willing to pay top dollar for some of this talent, it means that they're expecting to get a return on that dollar, which means that they are expecting a very good Siri 2.0. And at their worldwide developer conference back a few months ago, I talked about um, how they talked, how Apple talked a lot about Siri and how the new Siri is going to seamlessly integrate into your life, right? Siri now will have the developers of apps will now have the option to integrate Siri within their apps. So anyone who creates an app for an iPhone uh, or iPad or whatever will be able to use the Siri API to enable voice interaction with their apps, which isn't really possible right now. I mean, Siri can do very limited things and mostly only with the core Apple apps that come on your phone, but not with, um, not too much with third-party apps. And so that's the big deal that they're pushing. So obviously, uh, the new Siri 2.0 is a big deal for Apple. I think that it's about time, and they know this too, and they know if they want to keep selling their products, that they're going to have to create a solid voice assistant because that's going to be a major driver of sales in the future. Or at least it, it could be a major deterrent of sales, I should say, if their uh, Apple products don't have a solid voice assistant when other uh, phone makers do. And on top of that, it kind of goes with their further vision uh, way down the road, which I've talked about before, where, you know, they kind of envision everyone wearing their AirPods and having their Apple glasses on. So you're walking around with your audio interface in your ears and your visual interface straight on top of your eyeballs with glasses and augmented reality. Anyways, I've had a whole podcast about that before. So if you want to go back and uh, scroll back, you'll find Apple AR. I talked a lot about that. But anyways, they're making a major push for it. So that's one example. But the difference is that Apple is not going to license out Siri to other platforms or speakers or whatever like Amazon and Google are and that's what I'm going to talk about now. So let's talk about Amazon then real quick. You know a lot of people were surprised a few months back when Amazon and Sonos made a partnership uh, for Sonos's speakers. If you don't know who Sonos is they are a relatively new I mean they're probably like seven, eight years old now, um, but they're now one of the top speaker brands in, uh, especially the U.S., but they're one of the bigger speaker brands uh, at this point now, and they sell a lot of speakers, and so a few months back, they made a partnership to include uh, Amazon's Alexa voice assistant in the Sonos smart speakers. Now, what I mean by a lot of people being surprised is they thought, 
why would Amazon want to give up? Because they, they, they compete directly with their own speaker devices, their own Echoes and Echo Dots and everything else that they sell, right? And especially the Echo, I mean, it's a high margin speaker for Amazon. They make a good amount of money on those. And so people were saying, why would Amazon just give their voice assistant away for free to their competitor who sells better speakers and now also has the same voice assistant. So why would someone want to buy an Amazon speaker? And it makes sense. It's because Amazon doesn't care about their short-term hardware sales, right? They're, they're not worried about making small margin or a good margin on short-term hardware sales because they know the long game is that they want to be the top voice app platform. And the same goes for Sonos. So a lot of people were saying, why doesn't Sonos just make their own software, which I thought was a bit ridiculous. But nonetheless, the, the reason is because Sonos is not a software company, they're a hardware company, they make very good speakers, but they don't know anything about making voice assistants or voice platforms. And why would they want to go up against Amazon and Google two tech giants who very much do know how to make a platform? Uh, that makes zero sense to me. So I, I think that was kind of a moot point, but some people were saying that. But that's why Amazon was willing to give up those short term profits. It's because they want to get in with the users of Sonos speakers. Sonos sells over a billion dollars a year worth of speakers. So they're an obvious partner. You know, they, they, they needed to make their, their speakers smart to compete in the market because consumers now want smart speakers that they can talk to and say, hey, play this, play that, instead of having to pull out their phone and do it. Um, so that's why Sonos needed to integrate some type of smart assistant into their speakers. And well, Amazon is the one they chose. And for Amazon, it's an easy way to acquire new users for Alexa. And I would expect many more partnerships like this to come for both Amazon and Google. And I would not be surprised at all if Amazon and Google started paying major speaker sellers to use their assistant just so they can acquire those users. You know, if I'm a major speaker seller, and I want to integrate a voice assistant, there's a few options out there. I mean, obviously the two best and the ones that I want are Google and Amazon, but there's also Microsoft with Cortana, and there's also Alibaba that has their own voice assistant. So there's a few options out there. I don't have to just uh, go to Google or Amazon. And but even between Google and Amazon, I can create a bidding war. And all I would, you know, all you would have to do is go to Google and Amazon and say, hey, you know, I sell 2 million speakers a year. I'm looking to integrate a smart assistant into my speakers. I'm deciding between you, uh, Amazon or Google, who wants to pay me more. And obviously, you know, it's it depends on the price that Google and Amazon are not going to just pay unlimited amounts of money. But if you know, they come with some type of licensing deal, whatever, that Amazon or Google pay them per speaker sold, something like that, then uh, it I certainly could see something like that happening. And it goes to show how committed Google and Amazon are to acquiring new users for their voice platforms. And now let's talk about Google for a second, right? So Google, uh, I have a quote from their CEO, Sundar Pichai, Pichai um, about their voice assistant platform. And really, he kind of sums it up and uh, 
puts it perfectly exactly what, uh, exactly what Google is thinking as far as voice. So he said, quote, we're excited by this shift from a mobile first to an AI first world. When he says AI, uh, off quote, real quick. When he says AI first, um, obviously in this context, he's talking about the uh, voice assistant. But anyways, back to it. So we're excited by the shift from a mobile first to an AI first world. It is not just about applying machine learning in our products but it's radically rethinking how computing should work we're really excited by this shift and that's why we're here today we've been working on software and hardware together because that's the best way to drive shifts in computing forward we think we're in the unique moment in time where we think we can bring the unique combination of ai and software and hardware to bring different perspective to solving problems for users so uh, he's he's saying in this he's talking about hardware um and ai because obviously they're selling a lot of their own uh, you know they started selling their own google pixel they start selling lots of their own smart speakers themselves they started selling uh competition for apple's airpods although you know i've heard they're not as good but they're creating lots of hardware for users to gain uh, users for their AI platform, which is basically their voice platform. And they're very much all in on voice. In fact, there are many estimates that almost half of all Google search will be done via voice rather than typing within a couple years. There's already tons of people using Google Voice for search, and that's only going to increase. And so Google very much knows this, and they're going all in, and so is Amazon. And it's very much a competition for who can win the day and have the biggest platform. They're both trying to build the Android of voice, except this time Google has major competition from another huge tech company. Um, you know, but this really, it, it, it's, it's still wide open because the whole audio world is wide open because there's still many things that need to be done. And the two major things are, one, there's still a lot of, there's still a small amount of voice apps that have been made. So while Google and Amazon are fighting to be the dominant voice platforms, as far as the applications being made on those platforms, there's still not a ton. And that's where there's huge opportunity for uh, companies and individuals and whoever to go out and create those applications and capture the all, the millions of new users that are coming onto the voice platforms looking for new apps that currently don't exist. And I had a whole uh, podcast about this again. Um, it was probably three, four weeks ago. You can scroll back in the podcast feed. Uh, voice apps was the title. Something about voice apps. You'll see it. Um, anyways, and I got way more in-depth about voice apps for business. But that's one of the major things that's being held back. And then on the audio content side, so that's on the voice assistant side. On the audio content side, the biggest thing holding back audio content, especially podcasts, is the lack of shareability and discoverability. So there is no major platform for podcasts or no uh, inherent way to or default way to share a podcast so for example when i want to or, or when we want to share our podcasts on our different uh, social platforms so all the people who follow us on facebook or linkedin or instagram whatever all the people who follow us on there obviously we want to let them know whenever we have a new podcast 
it's it's not that easy to share. I, I always kind of struggle with this. Sometimes I'll put the Apple iTunes link, but you know, not everyone has an iPhone. So a lot of people use Android or whatever. And so I've kind of defaulted into just using a SoundCloud link because SoundCloud, you know, it's not great. It's a music platform. They don't really care about podcasts. Uh, that's more of a small side thing for them. But that's not their focus. Their focus is pretty much all on music. And so it's not great for podcasters, but at least I know that when I share a SoundCloud link that you can listen to it, anyone can listen to it uh, on any device, computer, phone, iPhone, Android, doesn't matter, SoundCloud works on all of them. So that's why mo I, most of the time I just share a SoundCloud link, even though I'd rather not because one, SoundCloud is not a huge platform for podcast listening. Most people don't listen to their podcasts on SoundCloud. Uh, the two biggest players are iTunes and then uh, I guess you could say kind of Google Play slash Stitcher slash whatever um, on Android. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot on Android. But anyways, like for example, I don't even use the iTunes app myself. I actually prefer using the app. It's, it's called Overcast. Um, and it takes the feed from iTunes, but uh, the app overall is much better. And so there's no major platform for apps, and there's no major platform that's cross-device, no matter what device you're using. So iTunes has a huge platform, and they're the biggest as far as uh, number of you know listeners, but it's only for Apple devices. And as far as sharing and discoverability, there is none. I'm going to give you the example of YouTube. YouTube is the the reason YouTube works so great for video is because discoverability is really easy. You know, you can search for videos and it com and it comes up very quickly. Searching for a certain podcasts and certain topics isn't really that easy. It's not that simple. Like it, you can do it, but it's it's a little clunky. It's not very intuitive. You kind of have to uh, I don't know. I mean, search, try searching for a topic on the iTunes app. It's not really that like good compared to searching for a topic on YouTube where you find a million videos instantly. Um, and the other side of discoverability is, for example, when you're watching videos on YouTube, even if you don't have you know, millions of subscribers, your videos can be found if YouTube's algorithms find people who think are going to want to consume whatever video you made, depending on the topic, and say, hey, this person's into this topic, I'm going to suggest your video. So your videos can be found. On iTunes, there is no suggestion algorithm. The only way for people to find your podcast is in, is in the top charts. But guess what? You have to be in the top charts, which means you need hundreds of thousands or millions of downloads per episode to be in the top charts. So for all the up-and-comers in the podcast space who are not on the top charts, there is no discoverability mechanism. Unless you get lucky enough to be one of the featured podcasts of the week, which they choose like like four or five out of the you know thousands of podcasts uh to feature and even then uh the numbers have shown that being featured on the front page of uh the itunes store doesn't really do much because people don't really care about whatever apple you know their their content curators decide to feature so there is no discoverability platform um and that needs to be set up so 
once someone, uh, whoever it may be, sets up, and there's lots of companies trying to do this, but no one's won yet. Once you have a winner in the podcast platform space and you can have this central hub for podcasts where it's super easy to share, super easy to discover new podcasts that you've never heard of before, uh, and then the other thing is easier to monetize. If you're not a big podcast, unless you're unless you're getting like, uh, you know, at least ten thousand downloads an episode, if not much more, quite honestly, um, like more like, I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, ten thousand would be the absolute minimum to start getting sponsors. But even then, that's not a lot. Um, but for for people starting out who don't have 10,000, it's very difficult to get any form of monetization on podcasts. It's not like, uh, YouTube where you upload your video, you enable monetization and you know, if you get a few thousand views, they'll pay you for that. It's, it's, it's not like that on podcasts. There's no, uh, auction platform for advertising on podcasts. Now there are, like I said, there are companies trying to create it, but no one's won it yet. It's, it's more complicated. So there's a lot of those barriers that need to be, um, addressed and are being addressed. It's just going to take time. Really. It's going to take time for, uh, someone to come with a really, really good podcast product. And then for that podcast product to take off because it's the best. And, uh, you know, all the podcast consumers in the market want to start, using it. So those are kind of the major things that are holding back audio and voice right now. But in a way, it's also good because there are setbacks and it's not all perfect and set up. It means that it's not oversaturated yet. It means that there's opportunity there for businesses and entrepreneurs and whoever is trying to make it in the content world uh, and bring new business to make it you have a much higher chance in the audio world than you do in say you know trying to start on youtube now it's it's much more difficult at this point um and that's where the real opportunity is so that's kind of the update on the audio and voice world there's a lot going on i talk a lot about this because i think over the next few years this is going to be a major shift i've said a lot that voice and augmented reality are the future that in you know I would expect that in five years from now, almost everybody will be using AR and voice for everything in their lives. I think that, or I should say, in probably in, in developed markets and in North America and Europe, I think that in five years or so, um, AR and audio are going to be big. And I think that we will see a world very soon where people don't even use smartphones anymore. They're not necessary because you have your glasses and your headphones. You don't need a smartphone anymore. So anyways, that's kind of the the future where I think we're heading. And certainly the short term is that uh, there's massive opportunity for growth in the audio space, growth both on the top, top end platform side for the Googles and Amazons and whoever creates the good podcast platform. And then on the bottom side, on the, on the creator side for people who want to gain a massive audience for the content they create. Anyways, that's it for audio. Let's get into the news real quick. It's time for the news. So speaking of Apple and augmented reality. They just acquired a company called Aconia, spelled A-K-O-I-N-I, a startup, Aconia Holographics. 
They are a company that specializes in making lenses for AR glasses. They create, quote, thin, transparent, smart glass lenses that display vibrant uh, color, vibrant full color and a wide uh, field of view image. They also have over 200 patents on different um, AR lenses. This is yet another sign of what I predicted a few months ago and what I continue to say, that Apple sees the future as AR glasses replacing phones and that they will have their own AR glasses out within two years. And it's looking more and more like I could be right. We will have to see. The other uh, major story I want to talk about is in the ever uh, increasing or growing content wars, Spotify is expanding its $5 a month or $4.99 a month student deal. Right now, the deal comes with you pay 5 bucks a month and you get Spotify and Hulu. Now, they're expanding it to also include Showtime. That is not a bad deal. 5 bucks a month for Spotify. Hulu and Showtime. Those services separately would cost you about $30 a month and they're offering it for five. This is, you know, this is an effort from Hulu and Showtime. They're two smaller players in the, um, you know, video streaming space compared to Netflix and HBO. Um, And then obviously, as I've talked about, Disney will be in the place soon too, even though Disney also owns 60% of Hulu now with the Fox acquisition. So kind of murky how all that will shake out. But anyways, Hulu and Showtime are clearly... Uh, secondary players compared to HBO and uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix. So bundling with a major company like Spotify, who has 72 million uh, on their last uh, quarterly update, quarterly reports, um, 72 million paid users. So obviously Hulu and Showtime want to get a piece of that. Uh, they're not going to be making much money, but if they can kind of convince people to say to see the value in Hulu and Showtime, once they're no longer students, maybe they will continue their subscriptions. And then if you're Spotify, uh, the goal is also to lock in young listeners, but also to show that it very well uh, plans to be a Netflix-like company, as they've said before, as the CEO has said before, they want to be a Netflix type of company. We'll see if they can make it happen, but this is certainly a way to show that you're serious about it. And hey, if you're a student, I would definitely try to get this deal, five bucks a month, and you get uh, tons of music, tons of shows, tons of movies. Cool. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Speaking of podcast sharing, um, whatever platform you listen on, please share it with one person who you think would enjoy this show. And um, yeah, whatever platform you listen on, Apple or Google or whatever, if you can leave a review, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. We don't do any ads on this show. All I ask in return is your review. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys next time. And be sure to listen to Marissa's uh, interview with the surgeon if you're interested. That will be up on Thursday. All right. Bye, guys.